Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Happy Independence Day. And thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Hi and good morning. I'm Paul Perot, Carmen's producer, and welcome to the special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio on this day before the 4th of July. We have the day off, so we're going to the archives to present some of our best conversations from the last several months. Racial harmony and justice have been part of that discussion, to be sure. And later this hour, we're going to hear a conversation Carmen had with a talented producer of videos who is trying to help us in the majority culture in America understand and empathize with African Americans and what they face on a daily basis in our society. First, though, we want to bring you a conversation Carmen had with Paula Ferris. You might remember her from ABC News and the TV show The View. And while she was very successful in the media world... God called her to a new purpose, and that conversation is next as Mornings with Carmen continues here on Faith Radio. Paula Ferris, you know her as the beloved on-air reporter for ABC News, former co-host of The View. She is now also the author of Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. Paula, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's great to be with you on this Thursday, although I had to look at the calendar because everything's still blending together. I'm like, what day my is la- it? I, what, month, I, what month are we That's in? exactly right. Yeah, so Paul, um, my producer, normally has a word for that. So, Paul, can you tell us what Thursday is called in coronavirus world? I, oh, like, I'm sorry. I forgot. Is it like wife... Blur's Day. Day. Oh, it's Blur's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Blur's Day. Oh, that is good. Yeah. Well, I might steal that if go you ahead. don't mind. I, I stole yeah. it already, so you're... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you stole it, and then you forgot it. Yeah. <laughs> this whole program is about theft. I don't know if anybody told you. <laughs> okay, I borrowed it, Okay. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay, so it's a joy to have you. I mean, it really, a genuine joy to have you with us today. Um, Seems like a bit of a, uh, it's always a strange day, right? Because there's always headline news that's heartbreaking and terrible things are happening in so many places. And and yet you and I are going to sort of step aside from all of that. We're going to have a real conversation about real life and real calling. And I think I want to tee it up this way, Paula. Who are you? Mm. Yeah, I think that's what I I wrote the book because Carmen, for so long, I didn't know who I was outside of what I did. And so I would have said for the very longest time, you know, I'm a broadcaster. I've been broadcasting for 20 years, but I would have said I'm Paula Ferris and I'm you know weekend anchor of Good Morning America and co-host of The View. And when that changed, when I decided to step away from that, I didn't know who I was anymore outside of it. And that's what the book is about, you know, finding your purpose outside of doing uh, that doesn't finding a purpose that doesn't shift and shake when when the world does, 
So now I would say, who am I? I'm Paula Ferris. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I love Jesus. I'm curious. I ask a lot of questions and I'm a champion of and challenger of people. That's who I am. Okay. And how did you get there? Because I think that the paralysis that many people feel, lots of people know that they are in a job. They are doing a job. They have become a functional Mm. cog. Like people know that about where they are, but they're paralyzed. So how did Mm. you get from doing, being a human doing to getting to the place where you're like, you know what, I'm going to be a human being. I'm going to be the person God created me to be. And I'm going to pursue that calling. Yeah. And and I think that's, it's a tough, it's, it's a tough road to get there, Carmen, because of the messages that we're inundated with from society. What's your name? What do you do? Our kids are asked from the time they can walk and talk. What do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? So there's this implicit and explicit message that our only worth is in work. We identify ourselves and our significance with doing. And so that's a function of society, but also churches. I, I've been to so church and church my entire life. And I was told I had to find this calling, this one thing that I could do, this one reason why I was on this earth. And that's associated with doing, is it not? Um, instead of just like Jesus's purpose was was to was to love God and to love people. I mean, that that was his one purpose on earth. So why should our purpose be any different? But somehow along the way, our purpose and our calling, they became so singularly tied with doing and with career and job and work and status and blah, blah, blah. And when those things shift and shake and they are bound to, we have an identity crisis. Listen, I I was at the height of my career and I, I walked away from these dream jobs, but I walked away because I went through a personal crisis. I walked away because at a professional high, I was at a personal low. My, my relationships were really in the gutter with my husband and kids and my health was suffering. I wasn't going to church. So these things that I had professed to be of value to me and professed to be who I was, well, guess what? The choices that I was making, the choices were clashing with that. And so what is it for a man to gain the world, but to lose his soul? And in many regards, I felt like that. Everything that I had professed was important to me was clashing with the, with the, with the choices that I was making. So I went through a season of hell, and I think God allowed this personal crisis to happen in order to wake me up, to physically slow me down, because I wasn't going to slow down. But within seven months, I had a miscarriage with an emergency surgery. I had a concussion, a freak accident at work, and I was knocked out of work for three weeks. The day that I got cleared to go back to work, I was in a head-on car crash, and then I got influenza, which turned into pneumonia. And I said, all right, God, I knew that God was trying to call me out of that space, because I felt it in my spirit, assessing the landscape, everything was falling apart around me. But then when I went through that personal crisis, I said, all right, God, I know if I'm not going to slow down, you're going to slow me down. And so once he slowed me down and I decided to step away, I knew that's what he was asking me to do, even though I didn't know what I was stepping into, but I knew that he wanted me to step away. I had a piece about that and I was scared. Once I stepped away, I realized I didn't know who I was outside of my job. And Carmen, I'm a woman of faith. I've for so long said I'm not defined by what I do. I'm defined by who I am, a wife, a mom, and I could walk away and and I would still know who I was. And guess what? When I walked away, I didn't. I had no clue who I was outside of doing. And so it was in that space where I write a lot of my book where I had to rediscover. I had to peel back the layers and figure out like, how did I get it so wrong? And how do we so many of us get it so wrong in, in today's society where where we mistake our value for vocation and our worth for work. And we think calling is just career related. So, of course, when I step away from it, I'm not going to know who I am because this is what I've been told by society and by many churches too. the message to find this one thing. And so 
you know, it was in that space of realizing I'd gotten it all wrong. A lot of tears, uh, a lot of just introspection and self-discovery and prayer, so much prayer where God, that's where he revealed to me, I needed to find out who I was outside of what I did, but I needed to reclaim my purpose and peel back those layers and discover my purpose outside of doing, because so many of us um, mistake our purpose and we tie it to, to something and that something can change, Carmen, whether it's our status, whether it's relationship, whether it's job, career, finances, we're tying our purpose to, to something that's going to shift and shake like it, it has in a pandemic or for me in a personal crisis. I misplaced my significance in career and in job and in this status. And when that changed, my world was upside down. And so, you know, I felt like in that space, God revealed we have these two callings. We have a faith calling or purpose. I call, I use those words interchangeably in my book. And then we have a vocational calling. Faith calling and purpose never change, ever. It's why we're here. It's why we're on this earth. It should not be tied to doing or career or job. My, my mistake was, and so many of our mistakes, our purpose is so often tied to doing. So coming up with that purpose statement that isn't going to change, okay? And vocational calling will change. And we have to accept that. It, we have vocational shifts throughout our life. So vocation can change and will change. And now I see vocation as just the vehicle by which I'm going to fulfill my purpose of loving God and loving people. That's it. Yeah, but it, it took a while to get there. A lot of tears, a lot of a lot of introspection. I love it that um, <clears throat> that you're giving us all permission to have really, really different branches on our vocational calling. I think that's the language mm. that that you use in the yep. book. Um, because I'm sort of the queen of oh, what's the what's the next branch of the vocational calling? So I really appreciate that. Hey, I'm going to continue this conversation in just a moment with Paula Ferris. We are talking about her book called Out. We'll be right back. All right, I'm talking with Paula Ferris. She's most recently the author of Called Out, but she's a sister in Christ. She's a wife. She's a mom. She is a person who is defined now by her purpose, not um, by her doing. And so, uh, Paula, I want to affirm you. Uh, Lisa has just texted. I'm pretty sure Lisa is in Dallas. She has texted, wonderful day uh, today. Every guest is wonderful, but I'm love, I love hearing Paula articulate her experience. It's really speaking to me. So I just want to inform you that, yeah, yeah. So um, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, My audience knows that I love like appendices and epilogues and afterwards. And so your book has an afterword and uh, it's written by Max Lucado, who has, has been with us and we love him. It's interesting to me, the focus that he takes in the afterword, which is really a worldview focus. If I don't get it, that I am made in the image of God, and intentionally so, I don't get the rest of this. So talk a little bit about um, understanding who we are as image bearers of God, as children of God, because God does not expect us to do anything. He just wants to be with us. Yeah, and I think somewhere along the way, we we confused the situation, Carmen, and it just became so much about doing didn't it? Um, you know, I'm super passionate about this because I, and you mentioned it, just giving people the, I want to a release them from the lie. And, and I, I'm hoping in this message that I really feel that God put on my heart to release them from the lie that their worth is in doing. We are so much more than what we do. 
are we not? And then once you do that, you can, you can, um, you have permission to see yourself outside of this one thing. And you mentioned it a little bit ago, Karma, you're talking about vocational branches. You know, I, for so long, I saw myself as this one thing, because I thought I was created to do this one thing, um, to be a broadcaster. And once I was released from that lie that my worth was in doing and, and accepted that I'm so much more than what I do, God gave me the permission to, to see myself multidimensionally to realize that vocation can be seasonal. God might be calling us vocationally to something for a couple of seasons. Um, we can branch out and we can try new things, but I had to peel back those layers um, in order to do so. And that's what I, like I said, I want, I want the book to do. And you know, looking um, through a, a longer lens, Carmen, of once you can separate, once you know your worth outside of doing, um, discovering that purpose, but then finding some lanes, okay? But those lanes are based on the talents and gifts that God has given you. Uh, the, God wants you to use those talents and gifts to love God and love people in your unique capacity. And that can be a myriad of capacities. So how do you find your vocational lane by you asking yourself three questions, Carmen? And I don't know how you would introduce yourself, but peel back those layers. You know, for me, I'm curious. Um, I love to ask questions. I'm a communicator. I I'm a challenger. But ask yourself, what are you good at? What do you love? And what do trusted people notice that you're good at and you love? And it's not going to be so one-dimensional like, uh, I'm a good radio broadcaster or I'm a good podcaster. It's usually those, it's, it has to do with those talents and gifts that you have. And you have to check all three of those boxes. For me, I'm good at, I, I'm curious. My nickname was Paula 20 Questions growing up. I love to ask questions and trusted people in my life along the way, high school teacher, my college professors were speaking life into that saying that this is your lane. You're, you're a question asker. You're curious. You could probably channel this into broadcasting. But where I went wrong is not only did it become my identifier and who, and who I was, um, Carmen, but I started to see myself. And I think we see ourselves as this one thing for the rest of our lives and don't give ourselves the permission to branch out. But now that I know who I am outside of what I do, I know my worth outside of doing. God's given me this permission to say, you have these unique gifts, Paula, and Carmen, you have unique gifts, and Lisa, you have unique gifts. What are you good at? What do you love? What do trusted people notice you're good at and you love? And God can use those in so many different areas on so many different vocational branches. But just remember what you're doing and who you're doing it for. Vocation is just the vehicle by which you're going to show people the love of God and the love of people. Um, I, I have a friend who's a podcaster, and I asked her those three questions, and she's like, well, I'm I'm a listener and I'm an encourager. And that's what people have always told her that she's really good at. She's an author, she's a podcaster, and she's a counselor. You see how those gifts have manifest themselves on different vocational branches in different vocational capacities. Um, I don't, what would you say, Carmen? What are you good at? What do you love? What do trusted people notice that you're good at and you love? Like talents and gifts wise. Yeah, so passionate would be on the list um, in terms of the gospel okay. being advanced always mm -hmm. and in all ways. So it doesn't really matter to me what the what the platform is. I'm a conversational provocateur. So I may not be good at asking <laughs> questions, but I am good at provoking other people to talk. You are. You're very good so, at it. So there and, you go. And so I'll I'm, affirm that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, I think that uh, when I talk about um, what I'm in the world to do, it is to um, equip other people to mm -hmm. um, to engage 
always and in all ways in the advancement of the gospel. So what does that look like? Cultivating and applying the mind of Christ on the matters of the day, getting off of the sidelines and into the conversations of the day in ways that honor Jesus. Like that is what I, I mean, that is my do side. um, And I do all of that in, in, in every conversation, in every environment all the time. Yep. Yep. And I happen to be right now doing it on radio. Yeah. And it's great, but you see how your talents and gifts your unique talents and gifts can, they can manifest on a, a, so many different vocational branches. Oh, but yes. Which is just, why, which is why when people say, yeah, which is why when people say, Carmen, you need to find a lane. I'm like, I am all over the place. Like, I can't, I'm not going to be in a lane. I'm just <laughs> going like, to tell you right I'm now. Like, I want a six I am, lane highway, people. <laughs> I am. Give me the six lane highway. That's right. I don't ask God for like a smaller plate. I'm like, give me the turkey platter. I can, you know, See, it's not that I feel like I can do it good. all, but it's exciting. There's mm-hmm. so much opportunity and, and you just go uh, in, in every direction and, uh, and God is opening up uh, those divine appointments. I feel like this has been one of them. Paula, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the conversation today. Absolutely. God bless. The book, God bless you. you. The book is called out. Paula Ferris, F-A-R-I-S, is the author. Um, Go check it out. I'm buying some copies for some women that I love. Good Friday morning again. This is the best of mornings with Carmen LeBurge on this day before Independence Day. I'm Carmen's producer, Paul Perot, and we hope you enjoyed the conversation that Carmen had with Paula Ferris that we heard right before Breakpoint. Her book is called Called Out why I traded two dream jobs for a life of true calling. And I do have a few copies to give away. So if you'd like a chance to win one, remember to text the word book to 877-933-2484. Follow the prompt to get your name registered. But again, just text the word book to 877-933-2484 for your opportunity to win. Coming up shortly, we're going to listen to a conversation Carmen had with Tyler Merritt. Tyler is a video producer whose video, Before You Call the Cops, went viral in the days following George Floyd's death. The video was actually produced a couple of years ago. What led Tyler to make the video? And what is his heart toward racial reconciliation as a Christian? We'll find out about that in about five minutes. Thanks again for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. This is Max Licato. In 1882, in New York City, Joseph Richardson owned a narrow strip of land five feet wide and 104 feet long. Next door was a normal-sized lot owned by a man who wanted to erect an apartment building. He offered Richardson $1,000 for his plot. Deeply offended, he demanded $5,000, which the builder refused to pay. The builder went on to build the apartment building, assuming that the slender lot would remain vacant and the view exposed. But Richardson built a house, blocking the view. Dubbed the Spite House, Richardson spent the last 14 years of his life in the narrow residence that seemed to fit his narrow state of mind. Revenge builds a lonely, narrow house, space enough for one person. No wonder God insists we keep a sharp eye out for the weeds of bitter discontent.
sometimes God exposes you to people um, online or via social media that you say to yourself, I want to talk to them. I want to know them. Tyler Merritt is one of those people. I saw a uh, a video that was posted um, ultimately on Twitter from the Tyler Merritt Project, and the uh, video is called Before You Call the Cops. Tyler Merritt is joining me today. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, thank you so much for agreeing to be here. I would love to play the audio or a portion of the audio from the video that first exposed me to you from the Tyler Merritt Project. So we got about uh, two minutes of you all getting to listen to my first exposure to Tyler Merritt. Before you call the cops, I just want you to know the first thing that I did when I woke up this morning was yell at my alarm clock. My parents were raised in the South. I have to roll tide or they'll disown me. They raised me in Las Vegas. That city still has my heart. I hate spiders. I'm a vegetarian. I'm not proud about it. I've done goat yoga. I'm really not proud about that. I can tell you every single word off the NWA Straight Outta Compton album. I can also sing you every single word from Oklahoma. Bananas are disgusting. I am a Christian. I spend almost every Sunday morning teaching kids in Sunday school. I am often asked if I am Muslim. I'm okay with that. I'm pretty much convinced if you met my mother, you'd automatically become a better person. My father is a veteran. He taught me how to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to everyone that I meet. I don't hate our president. I pray for him. I love basketball and also hockey. I've never been to jail. I've never owned a gun. I hate that anyone at all might possibly be afraid of me. I'd go around the world and back again if I knew that single act might make your day better. I'm a proud man. I'm a proud black man. Does any of this really matter? No. I just wanted you to get to know me better before you called the cops. That's Tyler Merritt. The Tyler Merritt Project is where you can find him, both on Facebook and YouTube, the Tyler Merritt Project, and he is with me today. Tyler, again, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. So glad to be here. So um, you would describe yourself in a number of ways, and you um, have, have let us see who you are by telling us things about yourself that remind us of a lot of things about ourselves, right? I love bananas. I do not find them disgusting. I am not a vegetarian. 
But Carmen, um, Carmen, you're wrong on bananas. That's that's where we're going to have to draw the line. <laughs> See, I knew we were going to find the ultimate dividing line here, right? But, you know, but I have a vet in my family. I am one of those people who says almost exactly the same thing about my mom that you have said about yours. The way I phrase it is everybody would be better off if they'd been raised by a mom like mine. And so um, we have a lot of things in common. And yet there is this chance that if I met you for the first time and it was dark outside and I had some other reason to have a cause for fear, I might be inclined to be afraid of you because you are a black man. That's the conversation we have got to have in this country. Um, for sure. And, and so I want to get to know you and I want our listeners to get to know you as a first step in the direction of what does it look like for you know, the white woman and the black man to get to know one another well enough that you have no fear of me being irrationally afraid and doing something that is ultimately um, or potentially destructive to your life, which would be calling the police. Like, that's the conversation I feel like we have to have in this country. You know, first, Carmen, I would say um, if people listen to that video and they are still your listeners are still tuned in right now um from the bottom of my heart i thank them because that tells me that there's something inside of them that is saying i need to be a part of this conversation i want to be a part of this conversation because we're not about to talk about a cute cat video right (laughs) this is this is real life and um when i first built before you call the cops as I was continuing to create content. I had just come back from walking on a walk here in the Nashville area. And I was about to cross the street. It's a walk I take all the time. I was about to cross an intersection. And there was an older white lady who was sitting in her like pickup truck. Now, I understand what I look like. I am a six foot two black man with dreadlocks and when I'm out on the street, I have a bandana on to keep from sweat from out of my eyes. And I have a hood up really to block from the sun. And um, I had sunglasses on and my headphones. So as I'm about to cross the street, I see her. And because I acknowledge my presence, though I should not have to in any way whatsoever humanize myself to anyone, I should not have to do that. I did say, you know what? This lady does not know me. Her window is down. I'm about to cross in front of her. I'm, I took off my sunglasses, brought down my hoodie, took my headphones off so she would be aware that I could hear her if she needed to say anything. I put on a smile, legitimately, Carmen, thought to myself, let me put this smile on real quick and, and be as approachable as I possibly can be, because I understand I'm about to walk past her truck with her window down, and she's going to be not a feet away from me as I do so. And as I continued to walk up to her truck, as soon as she saw me, she turned a shock went through her and almost dramatically out of a movie, she started rolling up her window really, really quick and, and, and gripping onto her, her steering wheel. And typically something like that, I wouldn't even think about. And I would kind of uh, just let it bypass. But because I had tried to do everything possible to take away whatever threat she might feel, mm-hmm. I stopped right in front of her truck. And I kind of like giggled a little bit, not giggled like, like, um, you're funny, but Gil, like, this is kind of unbelievable. Like, I don't know what else I could have done. And so I came home that night, and um, I think it kind of fell in my subconscious mind, because later that night, 
I started putting together before you called the cops, where I just wanted to put an introduction. Because what I thought was really funny, Carmen, is if she would have known what I was listening to in my headphones, which at the time I don't remember, but it was it very easily could have been worship music. And when I say worship music, I'm talking. It could have been Hillsong, right? Um, it could have been. It, it could have been anything. It just as well could have been a musical. Like I think at the time, Bring It On, the musical was important. It was a to me. It was a cheerleading musical that I was listening to in my headphones, and I'm thinking if she could, if she knew what I was listening to while I'm about to cross the street, not only might she giggle, but she might also go, "Wait a minute. There's something about even though we are not." the same person, there's something on the ground floor of this that might make us the same and therefore release, release some fear from who I am um, and my image. I am talking with Tyler Merritt. We're talking about the Tyler Merritt Project. We're really talking about the reality of life in America today for black men like Tyler and white women like me. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Continuing my conversation now with Tyler Merritt, you can find the Tyler Merritt Project on Facebook. You can also find it on YouTube. We're talking about uh, the first video that I saw, which is Before You Call the Cops. I would recommend, obviously, all the other ones as well. There's one about taking a walk that I think is equally excellent. Tyler, um, one of the things that you uh, observed about uh, about the woman in the pickup truck is, you know, she, she didn't know what you were listening to. Um, I think it's equally fair to say that you and I don't know what she's listening to. There is some sort of soundtrack playing in her head right. that is is lying to her about you. She's never met you. She's never seen mm. you. She's never talked to you. She doesn't know you. And yet, because of something, some soundtrack that's playing in her in her mind, that same soundtrack was playing in the mind of the woman in Central Park who did call the cops— um, on, you know, on a man who's a, he happens to be black, but he's a Harvard graduate and he's out there bird watching, right? So um, there is some kind of soundtrack playing in the white woman's mind in America. And that's the thing I think we have to confront, or one of the things. Well, I'll tell you what I think is significant. And, and, and let's be real about this, especially with us living in the South, although I grew up in Las Vegas. There are a lot, because of the history of how the South works, um, there are a lot of lines where you can you can be in one part of town and then go into another part of town and go into the Kroger or to your grocery store, and the only people in there are white. And maybe the only people that are black are working behind the counter or they're there because they are serving you as a job. I know this because I can go to certain parts of Tennessee and walk in, be the only African-American there, which is very different than Las Vegas, Right. Go in, into a store and the only people I see may be behind the counter there to serve me with that. If the only people that are surrounded by you are the people that are like you and you've become so comfortable with that and you've become so knowing that, hey, these are just the people that are in my life with no with no apology to that. It makes perfectly good sense as to why. You may have this soundtrack that is in your head that is a little different. I've spoken at churches, white churches, with kid ministries. They would have me come. I would speak to their kids. And 
after I finished speaking to them, they would do like a collection plate or they would do an offering for a mission trip that the adults were going to take later. And now I'm speaking to a room of mostly white kids, 100, 200 or more white kids. I go off the stage, they go to do an offering and then they go, guys, let us show you a video to help you guys see what our church is going to do. So these white kids in a mostly white church begin to watch a video of children of color in Mexico and Africa and all of these places. And even from that young age, there becomes this, for lack of a better word, like a savior mentality or these people are lesser than I am for whatever reason. Now, if this was a church of diversity, it would be a different story because these kids every day are looking at these kids on an everyday basis going, these are the people I play with in the playground. These are the people I study the Bible with. These are the people that I worship with. But in this situation, we're looking up on the screen going, oh, those are the people that need me or are lesser than I am. So it starts at a young, young age. So I'm not surprised that when this lady is in her truck, her soundtrack is different than the soundtrack that is in mine. Tyler, um, when we think about the places where Black Americans and white Americans encounter one another in sort of the regular ebb and flow of life, I do feel like there are more of those environments than there were a generation ago. However, I also feel, I mean, I observe the same thing you're observing about, let's say, the grocery store. There are two different, you know, two exits on the interstate away, right? You can go to a Publix or a Kroger and go down then two exits further, and it's a, it's a radically different um, cultural experience. There's something to that, and there's something about us getting into proximity with one another. You know, intimacy doesn't happen in relationships until there's at least proximity. So talk, right. about, talk about the places where you would hope that going forward, black and white Americans might intersect with one another in order that rela- real relationships might be developed, in order that we might get to the place where I actually know Tyler when I see him on the street, and I have a completely different reaction to that than um, than the woman in the pickup truck? Well, I'll tell you this. Black people typically, no, let me back up. Everybody has the ability to shop and go to places that they feel most comfortable going. Most of the time, and, and let me be clear that black people are not a monolith, so I'm not speaking on behalf mm-hmm. of all black people, right. which I think is important, but... Most black people exist in a mostly white world. If I go out of my house right now, I am pretty sure I'm going to run into some white people here and there based on the community that I live in. But many black people do not have the privilege to not be in some sort of white community versus, and and I say privilege respectfully, many white people have the privilege to be in an only white community. You can move to certain areas of town that um, are are nice, clean, mostly white, and stay there and be okay and feel like I am perfectly fine with only these people. Black people either be going to work, going to uh, the store, taking their kids to school. They're venturing out into an environment that is quite likely they're going to have to experience someone different than them. On the other side, though, I do think that White people, and I say, let me be clear, I, my, my, I, I don't mean saying white people disrespectfully, but white people, if they come 
I, I'm inv- I, I pray and hope that white people seek out different people than them, meaning mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a responsibility, but you are going to have to seek it out. And I'll give you an example. And this is so hard because trust me, raised in the church, I know what it's like where you wake up every single morning, you go to your own church, that's your church family, you tithe there, all of that. If you go into your church and most of the people in that community look the same as you, maybe one day out of the month, maybe one day every two months, you say to your family, hey, that let's go to Mount Zion over here. Let's just go and, and go to that church because I will tell you this. Those, those individuals in that church are going to welcome you in in a way that you probably have never been accepted before. And I think that's important to understand because most, most, most Black people tend to not have a fear of white people inundated in them because they do not have the privilege to do so. Therefore, if you take a moment, if it's a smile, if it's a hello, if it's a jest that you see me, it speaks volumes in a way that um, you can't even really begin to understand. Because I think at the core of who we are, Carmen, all of us, and this is why I started the Tyler Merritt Project, at the core of who we are, all of us want to be seen. When I say all of us, I'm talking everyone. This is the ground floor of who we are as people. We want to be seen. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to laugh. We want to know that we have a purpose. That's the bottom ground of who we are as people. And if we start there and begin to take slow steps up, we're going to find that, sure, we are alike, but I need you to see me as a Black man. The idea of, hey, I don't see color, man. That's not, I, 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 respectfully, I need you to see color. I need you to see, I need you to recognize that I am different from you because your kid is going to see that I'm black and your five-year-old kid's going to go, mommy, that's, he's, he's brown or he looks like my crayon. And then you have a moment of going, uh, 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 we don't see color. I'm, no, no, your kid just sees what like, I ain't mad at him. And I need you, I need you to do the same. I love it. Um, I I look forward to the next step in this conversation and relationship. Let me invite our listeners to find Tyler at the Tyler Merritt Project on both Facebook and YouTube, the Tyler Merritt Project. Tyler, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for the Tyler Merritt, Merritt Project. Let me encourage people to uh, to check out specifically the video before you call the cops and use it as a conversation starter in your own family. Also, Carmen, I just want to say there's a the newest video that I put out that's currently going viral, which is crazy, um, is called The Playlist. And um, the, I would invite people to check that video out as well for the tone, um, especially your listeners very specifically. All right. I'm going to check it out right now. The Playlist at the Tyler Merritt Project. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us on Mornings with Carmen. Awesome. Thank you. We'll be right back. Thanks again for spending time with us on this Friday before the 4th of July for the special best of edition of Mornings with Carmen. Carmen will be back on Monday. Remember that all the conversations you hear on Mornings with Carmen are available as podcasts, so you can easily listen again or share them with your friends and family. Just visit MyFaithRadio.com. Under the programs, click on Mornings with Carmen. You'll find the podcast there. Hope you have a safe and happy 4th of July weekend and hope you join us again on Monday for Mornings with Carmen on listener-supported Faith Radio.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.